Welcome to Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. I'm here today with our senior pastor, Sean Winters. Uh, good to be here, Tucker. Thank you. And our engagement pastor, Ben Tyvel. Hey, Tucker. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you guys. I always enjoy our conversations. Our hope really is that our conversation helps you uh, think deeply as our listeners about uh, how to apply biblical truth to your life. Today, I want to talk about this uh this more practical topic, perhaps, of applying biblical principles for family life. And the way I want to structure our time today is, but first begin by addressing the problems uh, that we see, or maybe some a better way of saying it are the biggest challenges that we see for family life. Then I want to move into the solution. How does the gospel shape our, our family life? And then some practical lessons that we've learned as husbands and fathers in, um, with our respective uh, levels of experience. Uh, that we have. So let's let's begin our time by talking about the problem. What are, what are some of the greatest challenges that you think that that our families, maybe personally, or maybe just families in general, are facing today? Yeah, I can jump in here. Uh, one of the biggest ones, I think, for us as a family. So I ha- have been married for about uh, eighteen years. I should get you should get, I should that, get right. that right. <laughs> eighteen years, uh, going on nineteen. And have got six kids. My oldest is almost 16. The youngest is 19 months. So just to kind of give you an idea of range, got a few teenagers in there. And so I, I think one of the biggest challenges for us is connectedness, uh, finding kind of a, a rhythm of staying connected as a family. And I think part of where we see that challenge is just with technology and um you know, introducing phones uh, with kids, and w- when do you do that, and uh, and then how do you manage that as as they enter, you know, into that world? Uh, there is a lot of training to do mm-hmm. I- in that, and these kids are growing up with technology in a way that I certainly never did, and you know, mm-hmm. I think the generations before us didn't. So, this is a a technology. Uh, you know, and sort of iPhone generation. Yeah. So even when I make decisions about you know, kind of holding off as as long as possible, you know, to introduce, let's say, um, phones for kids. Yeah, it's it's then working through how do we how do we help them use the phone well, and, and knowing that I've got challenges with that too because mm-hmm. I'm highly connected to my phone and you know other technology. It's a, it's a big part of my work and. So there's a lot of need to create boundaries for myself. So I'm, you know, a big part of it is just modeling the right kind of behavior around that. But where do we find the rhythm to stay connected as a family and get our sort of get our heads out of our phones yeah. and away from away from the screens? That's really good. And it's hard to get perspective on the effect of phones. You know, it, particularly for kids, but even as parents, <laughs> we're you know we don't see it in ourselves, and then we're trying to explain that to our kids. But that, mm-hmm. that, for me, I think one of the challenges that I've seen uh, now, Becky and I've been married for twenty nine years. Well, well, it will be this year. We have four kids; three of them are in their twenties, and our youngest is eighteen. So we're about to do empty nesting. Um, and and one of the things that Becky and I have worked through, and then as she was leading a mops group and then we've spoken to mops groups it's just all of the competing expectations particularly on moms mm-hmm. um and and it's such an important role and as christians um boy parenting is a high priority and we want to raise our kids 
well, and yet there's so many different competing models and patterns and ideas, and and it, it can feel, I think, sometimes like too many expectations, and we're not sure what we're aiming for, mm-hmm. um, who we're trying to impress, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, um, the things that we feel bad about, should we even feel bad about? And, and it's just, I think it's really challenging for parents right now. Yeah, I think in the age of uh, just to build off that a little in the age of social media, I think that's probably been a big part of, you know, how those different expectations have been, um, have been communicated, right? Sure. To, to Their family looks great. They right. look like they're happy. So in the world of, <laughs> of Instagram and Facebook, yeah. you know, there's just that, that constant pull to, uh, to put, to put that out there. Oh, right. And we all, we all do that. If we're, if any of us are on social media in any kind of way, that's some of what we're doing, even if we're not trying to, when we post yeah. the good stuff. Right. And that can, I think, create uh, a lot of those expectations. Whereas yeah. before, you, you just you just have the circle around you. You know, right. the, the people you know, the people you can see. Well, now you can see everybody. Right. And that's, I don't know if that's good. Yeah. And, and not on their bad days, just their good days. Yeah, right. <laughs> How about you, Tucker? You're in a little different stage than we are. I probably have the least, well, I do have the least amount of experience. So we've been married for eight years, Aaliyah and I. Uh, we have two girls. And the biggest challenge that I think I, I resonate with, uh, Ben, what you were saying is time and just the lack of time. So both of us, both of us work, uh, both of us work full time, which mm. makes it a challenge to know how to balance work life and family life. And I'm not, I'm personally not very good at keeping a Sabbath. And uh, with our way our work schedules work out, it's it's hard to find that time where we can just be together as a family. Um, so I think time is one thing. I do think expectations also plays a big role in uh, is a, is a major challenge today as well. I mean, I think of. I mean, we've been talking about the highlight reel, so to speak, of of families and what other people post, and then you mm-hmm. see yourself, you see the reality of the way things actually are in your own life, mm-hmm. and it's hard to it's hard to know what to think uh, when you see when you see the the highlight reel of other families. And I think that both of you, because you have younger kids at home, um, that's a stage that I'm past. And, and there is just a demand of time. And, you know, we would talk, you know, quantity versus quality. And the reality is that young children need quantity and quality. And that's just tough to cut out of life and, and do consistently. So I commend you for your attempts at that. But keep up that battle. And I'm about you guys. I, when I, I come home, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted and the the, the the challenge that I have is the demands. You know, so we have we have a we have a preschooler, a preschooler soon to be a kindergartner, and a, and a soon to be preschooler, and the the demands that they have on your time when you first step in the door is yeah, it's uh, you know running at full speed, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's a challenge. I was just talking to Ben and I were talking the other day how. Whining is the thing that really gets to me. It really gets mm. under my skin. <laughs> and the first five minutes start out okay. And then sometimes it just seems like it's downhill until bedtime. Uh, I think they're really, you know, they're, they're unleashing everything <laughs> on, on their you. parents. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that's, been a, that's been a struggle too for me personally. Yeah, and there's a real um, challenge there because what's, you know, you're trying to kind of get at that heart level, what's going on with your kid and how do I connect with them? 
Um, you can't talk a kid out of whining. I, I've, I've seen it attempted. I've tried it myself. Just stop I've whining. I've tried it a lot. Yeah, just stop yeah. whining. Never works. And yet I keep going there. And um, so that's, yeah, there's some things you can address and some things you just have to live through, walk through. Um, yeah, so being in a stage where we've got multiple numbers of kids and they're all at unique stages, have unique needs, and having to, I think even just almost strategize, like how do I, how do I uniquely meet the needs of each of these kids, knowing that you know what, what my Nathan needs is is quite a bit different than what what Jordy needs, right? Um, but they they both need something, and they do need time, yeah. and they need my attention, and so I I would say that is what I spend probably the most time kind of thinking about, praying about, I, toiling over, God, am I, I just feel like I'm never doing enough. Hmm. I, I think I kind of live with, with that deep feeling of it's just never quite enough, like I'm, I'm not doing enough. Uh, so I would say, yeah, if, if we get to kind of a deep spiritual level and struggle for me, I think some of where maybe the enemy tries to attack me just with shame or, or guilt, it would be in, in that arena. So yeah, a, a big challenge, I think, as a, as a dad with trying to juggle all of that and, and then just feeling the weight of, uh, it just never feels like it's enough. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about a couple of different things. We've talked about the, the challenge of time, the challenge of, of feeling uh, connected as a family, the, uh, the pressure that we see from the outside, as well as we look at social media and, and uh, the, the way that people like to present themselves without, uh, without their flaws and shortcomings. What are, what, how do you think the gospel speaks into these challenges that we've expressed, uh, that we face as families? Does the, does the gospel have anything to say to our role as fathers, our role as mother, uh, you know, our wives in their role as mothers? Our kids, um, how what does a Christian approach to family life look like? I I picked up in Ephesians five where uh, verse fifteen says, "Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is." And it's just a, a great kind of proverbial wisdom passage. That, you know, just be. Be wise. Be careful. There, there is there's a pathway that is um, unwise, and there's potential foolish um, decisions. But by God's grace, by intentionality, um, by patience with yourself, and conversation with your kids. Again, it's it's pursuing wisdom. It's bringing that up and asking your kids. So practically, um, yeah, I, I think that. You know, if the expectations was the issue I saw and the feeling of, you know, what mountain are we trying to climb or what are we, you know, what are we trying to compare our kids to? What's really important at the end of the day? Um, I, I just kept going back to character. Um, that, that, as Ben, you talked about connecting to our kids. And I went back again and again to the importance of just seeking God on behalf of each of my kids, mm-hmm. which was partly about my kids, but mostly about what, <laughs> who should I be yeah. and what should I be about? You know, God, I don't want them to be 
what I want them to be. I don't even want them to be what the world wants them, but I, what is it that you want of each of my kids? That's good. And trying to pray into that. When we, you know, when I experience that pressure of trying to essentially be all things to each, to each kid, I mean, that, yeah. that's just an impossible, um, that's an impossible thing to do. So I think putting the focus, uh, you know, on, on my own kind of journey and my, my own walk with the Lord is, you know, one of the best things that I think I can do. If I'm um, meeting with God regularly every day, if I'm walking that out, if I'm living under grace, I'm, I'm extending that to my kids as well. You know, if I'm embracing the truth of God's mercy being new each morning, if I'm experiencing his forgiveness and his love, then I'm walking in that throughout the day as mm-hmm. I interact with my kids. Uh, it it's, it's then sets the tone for the whole house, you know, yeah. and, the, and the whole family. Uh, because when I'm not doing those things, I mean, we're, the house is experiencing the opposite of those yeah. things. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I think along the lines of when I think about the gospel and when I think about how to, um, you know, how the gospel speaks into these challenges, I mean, one of the biggest things for me is it's the forgiveness piece. It's the, uh, am I creating an environment where, where we forgive one another and we experience uh, mercy from from each other, and that we have kind of an open uh, open enough relationships where we feel like we can come to each other and say, "Hey, I I screwed up. I didn't do this thing right. Yeah. Will you please forgive me?" You, you know, Ben, and, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and one of the things I always explore is what forgiveness looked like in your family of origin. Yeah. So did your parents forgive each other? Did they forgive in-laws? What did forgiveness look like between siblings? And so I mm-hmm. commend you because every 20-year-old, 30-year-old that I ask that question has an answer. They know what it looked like. Yeah. And it and it deeply impacts kind of how they do life now. So yeah. good job. I think that's well, isn't it? That's really interesting to me. I love Ephesians uh, chapter 5. Uh, beginning of verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, Paul says. And then verse 9, he says, For the fruit of light of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And I think of some of the practical ways of living that out, and I, I think of two things come to mind. One is simplicity and the little things the little things matter, um, and 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 number two would be a, a slow pace. So I think both of those things really go against the grain of our culture, where it's very pa- fast paced. It's um, it's always moving on to what's bigger and better and the you know the the greatest next thing. Um, and then it's always has to be. I mean, we've kind of spoken to it a little bit, but it's always the the flashy. It's the you know, our, we've done such and such in our lives. We've, you know, accomplished these great things. But I think what both of you have been speaking to is, you know, I mean, Sean, you've mentioned before it's the first five minutes or three minutes, whatever it is that matter when you when you come through the front door and, you know, being willing to, you know, sit and, 
and play with your kids, you know, yeah. and whatever that looks like, whatever age they are, you know, maybe it's, it's sitting down to color with them or maybe it's going out and throwing a football. Um, but I think those little things really do matter because I do think our kids are, our kids are watching. And then I also think it gives us the opportunity to model in those moments, those slower paced moments, uh, goodness, righteousness, and truth yeah. and something that we can ingrain in them at a young age. Yeah, this is this is how Jesus operated, right, with his disciples. I I I think often about discipleship with my kids, and again, with in each stage, and what does that look like? And more often than not, feeling like again that I'm not doing the greatest job. But as I look at Jesus as a model, I mean, it was uh, you know three three years with with his disciples, and it was living. You know, every day with them, right? Meals and, I mean, every aspect of life, and Jesus spending time differently with with each of the disciples, interacting with them differently, and kind of understanding, I think, the reality of this is, you know, I mean, three years in the grand scheme maybe isn't that long, but uh, it was it was high investment. It's pretty intense, too. It was very intense and very (laughs) intentional, and. So I think just taking some of those mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things in the way that Jesus interacted with uh, with his disciples, reminding myself that okay, this is even though I've got a small window here, so there is some some sense of urgency. I need to be intentional. I need to be strategic. Mm-hmm. I need to make the most of every moment. But to know that it's a lot of little moments as I live with these kids that's going to end up um, shaping them. And so again, at, at the end of the day, what is in me that's coming out that they're seeing? So I think, I, I don't know, I just kind of keep coming back to this place of, I need to be sure that I'm being discipled, that I'm growing in grace and truth and experiencing God's love. And then hopefully I'm you know, modeling that as well with, with each of these kids. You're listening to The Raw Roast, and today uh, I'm on with uh, Sean Winters and Ben Tyvel. We're having a conversation about biblical principles for family life, talking about some of the challenges that we face uh, with our families today. Uh, but then also, how does, the, how does the gospel speak into some of these challenges? Ben, with what you were just saying, the word uh, mundane comes to mind. And I wish I could remember who said it, but something along the lines of 90% of life is spent in the mundane and uh, I also think, though, we could say that the mundane is important, that it's not yeah. insignificant. Uh, those two words are uh, – you, you can have significant mundane experiences. Yeah. And so how can, we, how can we be intentional with those mundane moments of life is something that I think is important to consider. Yeah, I just uh, there's lots of thoughts that go through my mind um, as I – kind of from this standpoint of having older kids and – Three of them are out of the home, um, and and the chances that we have to kind of talk through. And so when you just have downtime sitting around the dinner table, like at Christmas or some other time, and then you hear the kids start reflecting on on stories and shared experiences, and, and just you know the mundane comes up and the humor that starts, and and it's it, it's really good. And and Ben, this um, this last year we had just a really I think a soul conversation with our kids about what you're essentially talking about. Like, there's just a lot of things I feel like I failed you, you kids. And I, I asked for your forgiveness because I, I just didn't do this right. Or I feel like I, and, um, 
It was it was awesome for Becky and I just to share kind of our goal, our hope for them, and just thrilled with where they are with God, and and to see how God has filled in the gaps, yeah. and and you know our mistakes pale in their memories, which by God's grace, you know mm-hmm. that's an awesome thing, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it was just it was really you know there's things that we've done that really disappointed our kids or frustrated them, um, and we'll continue to, but. But yet there's a there's kind of a strong connected and the shared experience of lots of mundane. Mm. Um in in Ephesians six, one through four, it talks about kids obeying parents and talks about yeah. dads not exasperating kids. Yeah. And in in one part of it it says that you may enjoy long life on earth. And in the Old Testament, in the Ten Commandments, it talks about long life on earth or long in the land. And years ago, I grabbed onto that and I said, you know, one of the, we're not a land-based culture. Like I don't have properties that I'm going to give to my kids. But in the land to me uh, means in a place of influence. And and my goal, my prayer was how do I stay in a place of influence? Appropriate, you know, stepping back, but right. influence in my adult kid's life. How do, how do I transition from parenting in the home to uh, a friendship, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still dad, and yeah. but that's a permission. Like, like I'm only there by permission. Yeah, and that's where I'm at now, and and we're just trying to navigate that. What advice would the two of you have for someone who's getting married, uh, someone who maybe is about to have uh, their first child? What what would be some words of advice that you could give them that you've learned over the years? It's going to be tough, but come and get some. No, <laughs> no. I I think, um, man, it's a it's a wonderful thing. Um, in Matthew nineteen, it says, "What God has put together, let no one separate." And we look at the second half, but the first half says, "God has put you together." Mm-hmm. So that's a God thing. God uh, blesses with children, so God's provided you, and He's going to strengthen you for the task. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be challenging. It's going to stretch you. What, what was Tucker? You said something the other day. Getting married tests one thing, and having kids tests another. Yeah, Aaliyah said she. I can't remember where she heard it. She said, "Getting married uh, shows you how selfish you are. Having kids shows you how angry you are." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so get ready. I guess there's a lot of reality in in that statement. Uh, I think the thing that I think about is uh, continue to love each other. So yeah. to the husband and wife, I mean, continue to put each other first. And I, I think we hear that often, or at least in the circles that I've been in, I, I think I heard that, thankfully. Um, but I don't think that I really understood it until I was in it. I mean, yeah. that, I think that's just the reality for, for most things. It's a process of figuring out how yeah. to do that. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. So, but it's so true. Um, you know, having kids really does change uh, everything about how, um, you know, the two of you, you know, the husband and wife relate. So I, I, that would be the the biggest thing that I would uh, say to a young couple uh, who's having their first child is continue to um, make your relationship a priority, continue to date, to date one another, uh, continue to find ways to connect uniquely as a couple. Uh, I've, you know, I think over the years I've, had uh, different mentors, mentor figures uh, encourage me 
you know, around family life and uh, with something similar and that, that being, um, you know, one of the best things that you can do for your kids, one of the best uh, ways that you can be a, a, a good godly dad to your kids is to love your wife well. And that has stuck with me and yeah. continues to stay with me. Yeah. And at times the first word that came to mind was haunt me, but, um, <laughs> but I think convict me is a yeah. better word. I think the spirit convicts me off often with that. Like Ben, you, your number one job is to love your wife well, yeah. and your other number one job is to love your kids well. Yeah, together. Together. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was struck early in ministry by uh, the, the misuse of pronouns, and a wife came in and talked about we versus him, and him was the husband and we was her and the kids. And, and I just challenged her on the pronoun use. I said, we has to be mom and dad, mm. and we has to approach family life and marriage and child raising. Yeah. Um, and so I, I encourage people, you know, careful. We could be we as a family, but the, the husband and wife are the one flesh, right? Yeah. And God blesses the two of you with kids. And so how do we do this well? Yeah. But that, boy, you got to work on that because it's, you it's do. challenged. Yeah, it is, it is so difficult. And I, what it brings to mind is, it, and I would joke about this sometimes with couples that I'd be meeting with or, you know, different friends where we kind of get into this uh, topic of conversation. Uh, but it, with respect to how much work this is, how, how difficult this can be at times, and honestly, how often it's, you know, the reality of, of failure and, and just not measuring up is, is a reality in how we, how I parent. And um, so in, in that light, what we would, what I would sometimes talk about and, and joke about a little bit, but there's some truth to it, uh, is that, you know, we, uh, in some of the ways that we kind of prepare for the future of our children, a lot of times, you know, parents set aside money for their kid's college fund, which is great. And I, I you know, I'm, trying to do that as well, but I'm also putting money into a therapy fund <laughs> there you go. For, for my kids. So when they, <laughs> when they become adults and they need to just work through, you know, the, the different stuff that they need to work through and become healthy individuals, I'm going to be ready to support them to in that fund way. That. Yeah. Uh, good for yeah. you. <laughs> well, I don't, th- you know, to that a little bit, I, I don't think there's any accident that Paul places Ephesians six, the armor of God, right after right this after discussion yeah. of families and, put and on the armor. Yeah. Put on the because I do think the family. I mean, it's such a, it, it's the arena that I think Satan address. You know, focuses most of his energy on to try to yeah. disrupt and destroy the the you know the family life. So true. Um, I like to think of uh, the family as, in some ways, a Christian counterculture. And I think that uh, is becoming probably more and more of a reality when we talk about, uh, you know, when gay marriage has now been introduced into the picture and biblical family uh, is probably going to become less and less of a of a common thing. But even beyond that, uh, I think the Christian family can be countercultural in the way that we we do think of the the husband and wife relationship as as the most important relationship in the family. Of course, coming you know after Christ, our relationship mm-hmm. with Christ, but then the kids. Because I think even prior to you know this sexual revolution and uh, the, this attempt to redefine what family life looks like, I do think that that was probably countercultural as well. Because I do think our natural instinct is probably to go to the kids first, 
And then our spouse. Yeah. Yep. And I think this is a way that we can model what a Christian family looks like, what yeah. a gospel-centered family looks like by keeping Christ, then spouse, then kids, and in that order. It's good, Tucker. Yeah, and it's hard. I think I think men tend to be career-focused, and and women tend to be more family-focused. And I, I think that both of those things can detract from that marriage. And so how do we do... You know, I, I think I'm going to be called to account for how I treated Becky and how I honored that marriage that God gave me. And then we will be called to account for how we raised our kids and 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 doing life then in work for Becky and work for me and, and community. And all of those things are really important, but I, I think there's kind of a priority and a responsibility that if I don't take that seriously, um, you know, I'm succumbing to the world's definition, not God's definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hu- husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I, I mean, there, there's no higher call than yeah. to... Um, to pursue that kind of love for our wives, uh, you know, certainly one that we can't measure up to without um, without God's help, without Holy Spirit living in us and working through us. Uh, but to, to love our wives in in a similar way to how, to how Christ loved the church, gave, gave up His life for the church. Right, we're called to do the same for our wives. So Tucker, I think the you know that model that you described as a way of the family being kind of countercultural, you know, the Christian family is so true and and so difficult <laughs> to walk out, in, you know, in, in day-to-day life. But but it is possible with God's help, for sure. I appreciate both of you. I appreciate the model that uh, the both of you are, are setting me as, as, a, as a younger dad and, uh, you know, one with a younger family and... Um, don't have as many years of marriage experience as, as the both of you, but I do appreciate uh, the wisdom that both of you have brought this morning. Are, are you calling us old, yeah. Tucker? It kind of felt like you were... <laughs> exactly. You're, that was my roast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, didn't even, it didn't even impact me. I knew it. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen, and it also helps if you leave us a review. We look forward to having you join us again next Monday. Bye.